listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 518. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the Fox science fiction series, Fringe. And we talked about the weather the last few weeks. This really isn't weather-related. I well, know it is. It's uh, 82 degrees in the studio tonight. So, um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a, fortunately, we're not using cameras because uh, the, one of the beauties of podcasting is pants are not required nice unless unless you know you you would happen to be over in the studio then i'd probably wear sure pants, but, but i am not i am in my basement which is nice and cool down here so well how's your week been i i know the answer to yeah, that but. my week has been very not great um so my dad passed away uh sunday morning um but it was you know he you know it was kidney failure so it was He'd been in bad health for a while and been in hurting a lot. So, you know, I don't know. I'm still processing, I guess. But part of it is I, I still wanted to, to talk to you, Dave. You know, I mean, that's part of, that's one of the things I look forward to every week. So um, I'm not going to be a, a, a downer or anything like that. Um, I'm doing okay. I'm doing fine. Like I said, it's been, it's been a lot because my sisters, I have three sisters. Two of them live in other states far away. Um, the other one lives in DC, which she's like an hour and a half away. So sometimes a lot of the, the daily stuff falls to me, which is, I'm not complaining about it at all, but just sometimes being on call, I felt like 24 seven with my dad. It was, it was, it was tough. And I'm not saying I'm relieved cause I'm not, I don't know. I might have you cut all no. this out. <laughs> I just like, no, it's any, just a matter well, of like, anybody. I just, I'm still processing. I still haven't really been able to work through stuff, you know, like. Sure. And, and, you know, again, we, we won't keep going too much longer, but, you know, I'm a little bit older than you and you know, I've lost both my parents as we've talked about on numerous occasions and it's tough. Unfortunately, it's not unexpected right. when, right. when you reach a certain age, but uh, yeah. anyway, all right. Well, uh, obviously everybody in the sci-fi TV rewatch family and, and, and my family, uh, Mary certainly, you know, has your family in her thoughts and prayers. So, uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, especially, you know, my wife put a post up on Facebook and which all the people awesome. that have been, yeah, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, all the people that have been commenting and saying stuff and it's, um, you know, it's, it's nice to see all the, you know, the, the larger community uh, rallying just to say they're thinking, even, you know, just saying, Hey, I'm thinking of you. I always wonder, like when I say, um, you have you in my thoughts and my prayers is that, register but it is it's nice to just hear people say that you know so yeah so well have you had time to watch anything this week um well yeah fringe <laughs> for one okay uh but also i've been i actually did uh go back to uh watch rewatch seasons one and two of the witcher i don't okay. know why i did it it was i mean it's a really good show but uh as I was watching, like, oh, yeah, I remember what happened. I remember what happened. You know, I'm like, okay, maybe I didn't really need to do this. But I was enjoying it. So, uh, I, so I just finished up season two uh, last night. Okay. I started on season three, but was tired. And I just said, all right, I'll, I'll watch this tomorrow. So all It's right. good stuff, you know. Like, yeah. uh, and, and I like how they start season three off. And, you know, the characters are great. And, uh, you know. I, I'm, I'm trying to now think of what what was this going to be like without Henry Cavill as as the main guy, but uh, Geralt, right? I, I, yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, you'll find this interesting then. I, I, you'd find it interesting anyway, I think. I've mentioned my wife and I and the kinds of shows we watch and where I'm pretty confident I know what kinds of shows she'll like, but there's always the outlier. And I'm watching season three of The Witcher a few days ago. She was on her laptop doing something. Next thing I know, she's like, well, why, why didn't you tell me that this was good? I'm like, <laughs> I did tell you it was good. So anyway, did she actually cut- mean, why did you tell me that Henry Cavill was in this? That he takes his shirt well, off a lot. Well, well you know what? <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest here, I, I think she likes Yennefer and Siri much more than uh, Geralt. But anyway, so she's like, well, I want to watch it. I'm like, all right, perfect. I, you know what? A rewatch can't hurt. So just like you, we finished season two last night. Nice. And we'll start season three tonight. I think I only got like an episode and a half into season three. So, uh, you, you know, going back again, not that I need to tell you, but if you, you guys haven't seen The Witcher, yes, it's violent. Again, it, it, it's about the people. The, the acting is great. The writing is great. It, it's just, it's got that perfect blend of, uh, of serious uh, narrative. And then, of course, Yaskier shows up to lighten the mood. And yeah, then, he's, he's the best, obviously. And then, and then we see a, a totally other side of him. I won't spoil this, but you'll know what I'm talking about. When, when we see his involvement at the docks and what he has to do with the ships and i'll just leave it at there so it's a totally different side of this character so anyway so so we're going to start season three the other thing i'm going to go ahead and say wayne was right i took your recommendation (laughs) and started watching silo Uh on apple tv plus good right Uh, that's great and i watched the first episode and just kind of let it sink in for a couple of days. And then it was one of those nights my wife fell asleep on the couch early. I knocked out two, three, and four. I think I'm on episode seven. I know this is going to come as a shock to you. My wife said, well, what's this? This looks good. Why didn't you tell me this was good? I'm like, okay. Because you fell you were asleep. Like, what yeah, you yeah. So it uh, sounds like I'm going to be going back and uh, doing a rewatch of Sod. That's worth it. I, uh, yeah. It's it's so worth it. That, that show yeah, is yeah, yeah. really, really good. Thank you, Michael, for the recommendation. I appreciate it. So uh, anyway, all right. Well, let's get to Fringe. Episode 19 of season two, written by Jeff Pinkner, J.H. Wyman, Akiva Goldsman, directed by, I guess, Scythe, S-E-I-T-H, Man, April, 9th, uh, April 29th, 2010. So, oh, and this one's titled Brown Betty, which, uh, hey, you know, for those of us in Maryland, uh, we can run down to yeah, the dispensary and get, say, hey, get my own brown Betty. Yeah, you right. got any brown Betty in? <laughs> I finally figured out where my local dispensary is. It's right up by the uh, flower shop that my wife likes to frequent. But okay. anyway. <laughs> you go get some flowers, get some leaf, yeah. and uh, you're good to go. I'll consult with one of the uh, bud tenders. Yeah. <laughs> where was that job when I was 19? Yeah, well, right. uh, you know, they, they had it, but he just didn't, he didn't have premises. Good point. 
So, all right. Well, anyway, this episode, we've got a musical film noir episode that continues the narrative. Um, I kind of look at it and again, I'm watching this episode and my wife's like, well, I think we're going to have to watch fringe next. I'm like, yeah, you think, (laughs) um, it's sort of like princess bride meets the wizard of Oz in terms of a storytelling format, which I love. And, you know, instead of a grandfather telling a story to the child here, we've got uncle Walter telling Ella very stoned uncle Walter. Yes, very stone, but it's a story about true love, which, of course, if you know The Princess Bride, and how can anybody not know The Princess Bride at this point? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, this actually came in the other day because, um, I don't know, did you watch the Home Run Derby for the All-Star Game? Nah, not really. Okay, well, so Adley Rutschman of the Orioles, obviously, um, was in the Home Run Derby, and was hitting from the left side at first, and then... He be, he then switched over to the right side. He got an extra thirty seconds because he switched over to the right. And I said, "I wonder if he said to the guy, I am not left-handed.'" Nice, you know, that's <laughs> good. But I said that joke, and my daughter. We were at uh, Green Turtle actually in Westminster. My daughter just looked at me like I was an idiot, which yes. she does often, justifiably. Well, she's at that age, yeah. So. Uh, I'm sure she knows the movie, however, because of who her parents are. All right. Anyway, um, you know, and the other thing that was so cool about this episode are are the multiple anachronisms, particularly with some form of technology that that doesn't exist in this time period. And we got a lot of feedback tonight, so I'll preface it by saying what I feel like I've been saying a lot. I forget who said it. You know, I, I really liked it. I mean, I think we're supposed to see this as the Dashiell Hammett era, which I guess is the mid forties for uh, detective, right? Very noir storytelling. Yes, right. But, and, um, but also, like, well, I think Megan Ray was the one who said that uh, you know, they said that. Um, uh, oh, no, I forget. Oh, that that is you know nothing is actually happening narratively in the actual story of Fringe, right? So while it's just basically Walter is and uh, Astrid are hanging out with Ella in the lab while Olivia's out trying to find Peter. Um, so this whole story takes place, but the, the frame of the story, there's nothing going on. And it's kind of like, I guess you can, after the, the high drama that the last episode ended on, I, you know, people would probably be expecting some something along the lines of like, hey, now, what were you going to go next with the story now that Peter revealed that he knows? But instead, they take a step back and do this like kind of film noir musical type thing. I think that's a, a neat little call. Well, I do as well. But I think what I do really appreciate about this episode, and again, maybe it's the third time you know I've watched it, probably the fourth time now that I think about it. But the whole idea of the stolen heart as a metaphor for Peter's feelings and his disappearance, and maybe we sure. even get into Olivia's love for him, whether it's romantic or platonic or a combination of both or or whatever it is. But I think more than anything is what's going on in this episode is everybody's processing what Peter's disappearance means to them personally. 
And yeah. yes, Walter's the one telling the story, and perhaps this is how Walter sees everybody's relationship with Peter. I mean, one of the great lines is when Ella pipes up, wait a minute, my mom's not in love with Peter. And we're thinking like, well, yeah, she probably is, but so is your Aunt Ella. But I mean, uh, Aunt Olivia. Yeah. So, you know, little things like that, which I, I think is at the heart, no pun intended, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, of the episode. And, you know, primarily it, it's Walter trying to come to terms with the fact that he may never see Peter again. And I, I, I want to say his son and... You know, I think Fred brings this up, particularly with you know mentioning, well, Peter's not his son, and and the woman that commits suicide is not his mother. I guess I would disagree. Yeah, I I, I was going to take issue with that with what what had Fred said there because, I mean, biologically, you know, obviously they're not. Those are the people that raised him, right? Those for through his formative years. That's the. I, I would say that 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 very definitely is his mother, and this is why he's so up, one of the reasons he's so upset with Walter is because this woman that he loved, he he still you know blames Walter to some degree for the death of the, the woman that he loved, the person yeah. that he was his mother, not biologically, not so, but definitely emotionally and every other way, yeah. And part of the problem we have as the viewer is the lack of information about their familial relationship. And I mean, certainly we get the idea that Walter was an absent father much of the time. But then, as I always point out, that we've got the Saturday pancake days, which, you know, almost make up for his absence during the week and, 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 and all of that. But I don't think there's any doubt that Peter's mother loved him and he loved her. And like you just said, does it matter that that he's not her biological child? I don't think it does. I mean, I really don't. I mean, she did raise him and she absolutely knew what the reality was. She knew that this was not the Peter she gave birth to. And I don't think it mattered to her. You know, I, I think it, 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 it well, could almost it, be. I, I feel like it must have mattered somehow because we assume that it must have had some, her her death must have been impacted by that in some way. Well, but as, again, I think it's, I can't remember whether it's Peter or Walter that speculates it or what. Was it Peter leaving home that set her off? We don't know. Look, we know she didn't confront Peter about his truth because he didn't know. This was, we, we know he just finds out about it. So that's not what causes Peter to leave home back when he's 18, 19, or however old he is. And, and that's when I get into we don't really know the, the whole story about you know what happened in, in this family. But I sometimes wonder whether she looked at her role as Peter's mother in this universe as as this joyous opportunity to take care of her counterpart's son, if I'm being clear here. Um, I mean, the other mother, as we've said, only knows her son disappeared. 
So we don't know if Walternet knows that his son was taken to the other universe. I would speculate, because I don't remember, I, at this point, no, he doesn't know. But maybe he does know well, because I, I mean, I would he's got spies the opposite. over here. I mean, I kind of remember, but I would still think that if the Walter over there is still Walter, right? He's still brilliant. And just as the Walter over here was so motivated to just, you know, what he did, he created a portal to another world just so he could watch his son. What would the other Walter do? Like, what would, you know, the we, we have to think the other Walter is kind of there as well. Like, he's able to get there as well, right? Right. And, and plus, he's got Newton over here. So we have to assume that Newton has gathered at least a certain amount of information. So, yeah, you're probably right. But, right, yeah, but, right. we have evidence, right, that the other side knows about the other world. How would they know that? Well, because Walter took Peter, and that's how Walter didn't figure it out. I mean, that was what, you know. We would think. So would think. Now, do we know whether or not Astrid knows about Peter's origin at this point? I would say we don't know for sure. You kind of get the sense that she does know because of this this cloud that hangs over the fringe team literally in this episode right yeah (laughs) regarding peter's disappearance so again why would you not read her in at this point i mean everybody knows i don't know that we know for sure that Broyles knows but why wouldn't he since nina knows and we know you know she and Broyles are close and have been close for a long time so i don't know I, i i guess it would still be nice to know one way or the other what it is but you're right i mean this is a a, a very close-knit team so you would think that they would but they're, they're, we don't, i don't think we've had any evidence yet that that broils or or astrid has been you know they've told her what's going on but you would assume that they would you know yeah let them know. now now one of the things and uh i, I think it was fred <laughs> i think it was fred that that brought up uh about the motorized chair that walter is in in this episode and and you know he brings up uh professor x which i thought oh, oh yeah yeah fred did bring that up uh-huh. yeah yeah that was awesome and then yeah. uh uh barbara gordon in uh you know in the batman sure story. but also i might add dr strangelove oh right right yeah. so now Grant, well, no, I guess Doctor Strangelove qualifies as science fiction. Why, you know, why, why wouldn't it? But I, I, I guess then my question: What's that all about? Is that just just something narratively cool, or is there some meaning behind? Well, I think like all the things in the story. Okay, there all have a, a metaphorical meaning you know okay and i, I the what i took like walter in the wheelchair as maybe he feels like hurt wounded like he's unable to you know like like what someone who is super depressed like feeling like i i can't move like i can't go or something you know I don't know. That's that's just kind of one thing because I was wondering about that. I'm like, what? what you know, I mean, the heart—that's obvious, right? That that's easy. To, uh, some of the other things are like the wheelchair, like you know, because we know it. It, it is metaphorical uh, 
metaphorically, it's significant, but just I'm not exactly sure how. I, I would probably, out of all the people we've named, the famous characters that are in, in wheelchairs, I would say that the Doctor Strange, the, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I think the Doctor Strange level one is probably the most likely what they're going for as this kind of the mad scientist kind of angle, right? Oh, sure, sure. Um, yeah, because I don't think we would look at Professor X or Barbara Gordon as mad scientist type, even though they are scientists of, of a sort. You know, the, the last thing before we you know break down some of the scenes, we get to the end and that scene with the observers and their concern for the boy. And we know all the backstory. We know about, you know, the car going into the, into the uh, pond and uh, the observer September going in and, and saving them. So what's the concern now is that Peter is supposed to be this pivotal figure that without his involvement, things are not going to occur as they are supposed to. I mean, is it just as simple as that? Because that's not part of Walter's story, right? They're, they're kind of, like you said, the, the, the story is framed by certain events and, and the, the end frame is the observers watching Astrid, I believe it's watching Astrid and Walter go back into the Bishop house, right? Yeah. And, you know, they, they, they make that comment that, you know, the boy has not returned. So, uh, you know, again, I'm not sure what to, what to make of that, but. Well, we, we know that this, whatever is going on here is like huge, right? This is cause for the observers, right? Uh, that this whole thing was started basically because September uh, interfered with Walter and its uh, experiments. Sure. Right? Right, and that that moment, that interference by someone who's just supposed to be an observer, a watcher who interfered, and then has actually caused a series of events that are increasingly, you know, the the, the magnitude of these events are are in, increasing exponentially. Yeah, and, and you know, we get that great scene a couple episodes back when three or four observers are sitting at a table and. You know, they're telling him, you need to fix this. So, and we understand at the time, well, this is not the first time a situation has had to be fixed and repaired. And we don't know how often it happens. We get the sense that not often, but is it starting to occur at a more frequent rate? Well, not sure, but uh, yeah. for the second week in a row, dude, the opening scene features an awesome piece of music in this, to- uh, I, this I time. I knew you. I knew you'd be down with the yes. Oh my god, roundabout. Which uh, I mean, that is my wheelhouse. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I saw yes actually three times over the years at at uh, really some just tremendous venues. Oh man, I saw him cool. at Meriwether Post one time in this like tremendous electrical storm and they never stopped playing so nice. that, that was very cool well in addition to the melodious sounds of yes we also have the melodious sounds of a bong being uh lit and used that most people can easily recognize yes and not just anyone uh you know clear glass uh 
water pipe. Yeah. Not to give ourselves away, but um, <laughs> we're familiar. But you know, yeah, it's actually one time I was watching Saturday Night Live with my parents, and it was some scene where like it was like the the two actors were in the front of a car, and the kids who are unseen in the back are apparently acting up, and the one keeps reaching back and grabbing things the kids are playing with. They're like, don't play. You know, they pull up like, you know, like silly things or anything. The one time the guy reaches back and pulls up a bong. And I'm sitting with my parents. I saw that. I just started laughing. And my mom was like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> how do I answer this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Right. It well, just I mean, looked funny, I mom. I did know because I – I was, you know, the skit was not funny, so I'm like sitting there stone-faced. All of a sudden, they pulled out a bong, and I burst no out No pun laughing. intended. And my mom was like, yeah, right, right. <laughs> nice. So, um, so yeah, most most people recognize the, uh, the the sound that we we hear at the start. Yeah, and as we've mentioned, that's, you know, the state in which we live, Maryland, has uh, legalized it as of July 1st. So, yep, you know, good. The, so Olivia shows up. Ella in tow. And again, it's a great scene. Uh, you know, I need somebody, you know, to, to babysit or I need you to babysit. And Walter's like, I can't, I, I've already hit phase two or whatever he says. Yeah. Astro's like, he says, I'm well into phase one. Right. <laughs> I don't think she means you Walter. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, but, but that serious face that olivia's got at this point because you know she's going out to look for peter and she understands the ramifications of his disappearance that the entire fringe team could literally fall apart without peter because we just don't know what's going to happen to walter and if this is any indication it it it, it certainly seems reasonable that walter's going to go down this drug-infused rabbit hole in in which he might find it difficult to ever come out if you know peter is gone for any length of time but despite the seriousness of that first encounter the next thing you know you hear ella saying all you've done is eat my snacks and talk about weird stuff and everything (laughs) makes you laugh like it was great And, and i know fred points out that the great acting job you know she does in this scene and again it's another young actor that we've said what an awesome job and then they really just never pursued an acting career for whatever reason and it's always difficult to find out why i'm just curious i mean yeah i get it maybe you decide you want to go to college and then yeah probably maybe their parents just hired to do it for a little bit when she was young and then said all right now you got money for college now you can go do whatever you want and if you want to pursue acting you can but yeah some of these kids maybe the experience was not that great and when Ella asks Uncle Walter to tell her a story, and he declines initially because I just I'm a bad storyteller, and well, didn't you tell Peter stories? And you just see it's almost like she's put this knife in yeah. completely unintentionally because she has no idea what's going on, other than maybe Peter's missing. We don't even know if she knows that Peter's missing. Right. Well, she I, I would say she probably doesn't. Um, and, but it's also Ella at the end who provides Walter this spark of hope. Like Walter's story is, ends on a very down note, right? Like, you know, Peter with Peter, not forgiving Walter, but Ella says, no, wait, that's not right. That's not how the story should go. And, and she 
has this story where in which Walter is redeemed, and Peter um, accepts his his um, his apology. Well, not necessarily his apology, but Peter accepts him once again. And I think for Walter, that provides maybe a little light of hope, right? That that it's possible that maybe at the end of all this, Peter will actually forgive me. But at the back of his mind ha- has to be that that fear that this might be that unpardonable sin that that i might not be able to be redeemed for this well, act well, right that's exactly what he that's exactly what he thinks right right because that's how why his story ends as it does but ellis the one who says no that's that's not the way it goes that's a crap ending uncle yeah, walter right <laughs> and yeah just right from the start once she Ella, that is, gets Walter to tell a story because now he's thinking about his own mother telling him stories and Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, those great noir detective writers of the 40s. And that's, you know, the the view that we have here. And right from the start, you know, this great detective uh, Olivia Dunham, and then we see her, and I think this is like where my wife starts looking up, and she's like, "Wow, she's really pretty." I'm like, "Yeah, she is." <laughs> um, I don't think she's ever seen anything with a li- with uh, Anna Torv in it. So um, anyway, but fringes down the road. We got to get through season three of uh, Witcher next. Right. But that one well, now mystery, you, have to, you can it gives you a chance to, to watch the last of us with her then too yeah i don't know about that but um <laughs> the one mystery she couldn't solve was how to mend a broken heart and you saw the framed picture i i don't know what i think about that that narrative choice i mean i guess again that's walter right that right. that uh, her broken heart is john scott which i yeah. guess you know i mean she certainly feels betrayed uh, but I don't know. I guess. I mean, I, I think we're, I, at least me, I'm too invested in the uh, Olivia Peter ship. Right. You're, you're, but, too, you're, you're too solidly shipping it. Well, we forgot about about Agent Scott. There, we did. Know. Sure. Um, so when we see that picture, like, oh, yeah, that dude, right? Yeah, okay. Well, and then um, the other thing that was so cool is Olivia comes into the lab. Rachel had to go away. I got to watch her. And we're thinking like, oh, well, it would have been cool to have Rachel in this episode. Sure. Hey, we get Rachel in this episode. Yep. We sure did. Yeah. And wants to hire a little bit of- That's another great line (sighs) where like, you know, uh, Ella says, she can't be dead. And Walter's like, well, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. And and, 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 and then then Astrid's like, well, because that's her mother. And Ella's like, no, that's not it. (laughs) Right. You know, it's like- you give Ella more credit, yeah. despite the fact that she's, I don't know, 10 or whatever she's supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, she's she's wise beyond her years. Yeah, and it's tough to write you know, lines for, for kids, for young kids, you know, because you either make them like stereotypes and cliches or it's this unrealistic paragon of either goodness or evil, right? But they did a fabulous job of writing for this kid in this episode. Like, really, really good. And the, and the actress was awesome as well. She p- totally pulled the lines off. But, when, you know, it's tough to when you have young actors like that. It doesn't always work out so well. 
Well, I think what makes it particularly great is that she's the only child in the episode. So she's a child among adults as opposed to, you know, a show where the bulk of the cast are young and then you're writing dialogue. It just seems to me it's much easier because you've got, you know, like dealing with like and as you point out here that's not the case but i love olivia's line to rachel about people that come to her you know looking for a missing boyfriend because you know more often than not by the time i find them they wish that person was dead yeah that was and good yeah that was a good one oh um well, we talked about at the beginning that that this is you know, not only a noir centered episode but it's also musical now anytime you talk about a television musical episode you have to go back to buffy the vampire slayer and and you know the the gold standard for musical episodes is certainly once more with feeling i don't just don't see how you can do it any better than that the the magicians did one every season and they were pretty good Uh and i think the thing that is easy to forget look the singing was great i mean broils you know it no longer shocks me when i hear an actor that can really sing right because as i I, i've said this to my wife for a long time i really do feel that the ones that make it they can do everything sure they can act they can sing passably they can probably do a decent job with action sequences that the ones that make it and can only do one thing, ah, that's pretty rare, I would think. Yeah. So, well, yeah, we've talked about this a lot because I mean, these the kids who are are really good, the kids, the, well, not the kids, the the people who you know you would think end up making it, like they're they're the people in like high school who are in you know like they're in every you know from starting from freshman year, they're the star of every show, and they're just amazing, and of course they can sing. They got a great voice. They can dance. They can act. As you said, they can do all of it, right? Now, the the one thing in in this scene, she goes into the bar looking for information, and again, it's like that whole Wizard of Oz feel where all of these characters are familiar to us. They're familiar with each other, and and the relationships are the same. But slightly different. Now, we're not talking, you know, like in the parallel universe, multiverse kind of deal, but but it, it, it's no different here. Broyles is, and I love he's got his, his badge sideways the way he always does, which I, I love. Great voice. We forgot Walter sings first, right? Isn't yeah, that, he starts singing Head Over Heels by Tears for Fears. Yeah, very badly, but very badly. But it's funny yeah. because they and uh, and Megan Ray talks about this uh, in their in their feedback. You know, they have that transition where Rachel starts singing, and then all of a sudden it's like Walter singing while Rachel's mouth moves. It's a very <laughs> funny transition there. What would a fringe episode be without massive dynamic? Yeah, it's not what They'd they do. It. It's like what don't they do? Yeah, but. I think a vile firm that never missed an opportunity to exploit the little guy, profiteering ex- off the creativity of others. Exactly. But what I thought was done brilliantly was the way they insert Brandon into the story. Yeah. He's not 
a massive dynamic employee. I guess he's in the patent office, right? Right. But he still and, has a computer, though. Exactly. Well, well, that's the thing. You go into uh, Nina Sharp's office, and she's got like a rotary dial, forties phone, and yeah. you know, a computer screen. So, well, and everyone's t- making calls from their car too on, on yeah. cell phones. So. Exactly. So that kind of stuff, I just absolutely loved. In, in yeah, I case. thought it was really cool. Um, I, I think Fred maybe had an issue with. I can't remember. I'm, I'm sorry, Fred. Like it's. But but yeah, it's it's kind of neat how they uh, like because I, 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 at first like I just see like Olivia's on the phone. I'm like, okay, yeah, Olivia. I'm like, oh wait, hold on a second. This is supposed to be obviously this is not in a modern setting, right? So it's, it's kind of like cyberpunkish, you know? Oh yeah, sure. I, you know, I, I always claim I'm a car guy, and I meant to look up. I think Olivia's driving. Um, I think it's like a 53 Corvette, but I'm not sure about that. I, I should have looked that up, but I, I, that was even slightly, you know, I, I think out of, uh, out of time. And so, all right, a quick Google search is not going to tell me that I'll have to look that up later. But the one person, did, did you notice who didn't sing in this episode? Uh, well, I mean, Megan talks about it. It's Peter. Oh, okay. There was one person in Buffy that didn't, sing and i believe it was allison hannigan and i think that the difference and i meant to say this i got off track shocking um you know <laughs> in buffy all of those songs were original joss whedon compositions as opposed to here where you know they, they just drew on a catalog and that doesn't take anything away from the the characters singing uh, you know but that episode of Buffy was just one episode in a 22 episode season where you probably had a week to write and, you know, film it. I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) Anyway, but I've read uh, that Anna Torv was terrified of singing in this episode. And I'm thinking you have a nice voice. I mean, I get it. You know, it's that, that that's not your main thing. Your main thing is acting. I, I get it. And I can certainly understand that, but, but it's but it's funny, and I forget who it was that I read in Buffy that was just terrified of of actually singing, but you know, they all did it, came across great, and like you said, I mean, the the single most important metaphor in this episode is of course the heart, and you know if I don't get my heart back, I'll die. Walter thinks, and in, in, you know that that whole idea that Peter Bishop stole his heart, right. Well, okay, and and we get it. We understand, and this is Walter telling the story, and this is how he feels. And and while we suspect that Walter understands that it's his fault that Peter stole his heart, you know, unlike Olivia's situation with John Scott, it, it doesn't make it any less poignant that the character feels this way because we, you know, we understand what what. The, the meaning of this all is don't stick your heart out where it doesn't belong. And uh, that was, uh, <laughs> that was, I think the equivalent of September. I forget what, uh, what his Zodiac designation it was, Gemini. was. Gemini, right. Uh, Which I look uh, up and Fred mentions it too. Like Gemini is not during September. Yeah. But he cuts her chest and then tells her, don't stick your heart out where it doesn't belong. Now, we don't, I mean, we're thinking, is he going to 
cut her heart out, uh, you, you know, yeah. or was that just a warning that, right. uh, you know, you got the one slice this time, you know, just, just stay out of our business. So, so we'll see. But I think the MVP of the vocal stylings has to be Jessica Noel, uh, Nicole, who plays Astrid. Oh, MG. That's uh, from yeah. a chorus line, I believe. I really need this job. Just, oh, just stunning. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I, I was kind of shocked. I, I mean, not that she could sing, but that, wow. So, yeah. anyway. Yeah, she was um, really good. Yeah. Um, let's see, what else do we know? The quantum laser, that's, uh, I, I guess that was the, the, the scene with Brandon where Olivia goes to the, the patent office. What about well, I like You know, now you're talking about Astrid. I mean, that was like a, a great moment. And, and what, again, I'm sorry, guys, I can't remember which, which of our feedbackers said this, but the character in Walter's story, he calls her his assistant, Esther Figglesworth. You know? yeah. And then it shows a picture of Astrid, and she's just like, damn it you did it again oh <laughs> uh, like even this stupid story you know like so it was yeah. just really funny but then there's also another scene where like in the background we see astrid has something between a pair of tweezers and i was wondering if she was doing like a chemical analysis of the brown betty at that point yeah well she could have been uh, yeah like what else yeah. as we're listening uh, to the story let's see what's uh driving this story yeah but we see you know nina in several scenes and yeah i, I love the fact that it's that that familiar kind of like german architecture of the late 20s or i mean i, I don't know it's it's it just always strikes me as being so cool you know what's the deal with with nina at this point i mean i guess in this episode it's no different than nina in the present we don't ever know how much or how far we should trust her does she really have the fringe team's best interests at heart yes and no no maybe right right. (laughs) maybe if it if it aligns with with hers right but but the other thing that that little scene where she talks with william bell via some sort of video conferencing device and the implication that the two of them have some sort of a romantic relationship going and that that nina's doing all of this to please william bell which on the one hand seems to be the antithesis of the way i see uh nina sharp that she don't need no stinking man. Right. True. If she wants one, she'll get one. But right. but it here, so again, is that how Walter sees their relationship? Um, yeah. He, I mean, again, this is all through Walter's perceptions. Right. So it, it could right. very well be. And Walter but also, has some, you know, that, that animation of, of William Bell and that was really, really cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and Walter hasn't seen William Bell in probably 20 years or so. So, I mean, certainly the 17 years he was in St. Clair, we don't know how many years he's been out and, and working with Fringe Team. We suspect at least maybe two could, could be longer. Yeah. Well, we know for sure that they were working together with the Jacksonville kids. Right, right. right. And, and that you know, was it, like, what, 
probably like about 20-ish years ago. I, I, I know they probably did tell us a timeline on that, like well, exactly how many years ago it was, but I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, because we know Liv was eight at the time, but I don't know if we know how old she is now and... Yeah, so, but it's been a long time. So, so, you know, so for certain, he wouldn't know about any kind of a relationship that William Bell has with Nina Sharp. So that's that's just kind of you know that that's what he thinks at this point. So, you know, anyway, we'll just leave leave it there. But then Olivia gets nailed down in that wooden coffin thrown into the water and who saves her peter bishop i heard you were looking for me yeah okay and then just that that scene at it's not his place he says oh i just you know it's, it seemed like a good hideout nobody was was gonna uh was living here and she comes out of the shower her hair's wet uh, and he has cooked her a meal looks like breakfast looks looks great and he's trying to get a read on her you know okay what kinds of things do you like you know you're not into jazz well we know walter's into jazz but but we never really i mean we've seen personal sides of olivia dunham but not all that often right so we don't really know what she likes. I mean, it, it, way back in season one, in the, probably the first episode, we see her and John Scott in these motel trysts. So, so we assume she likes that. Well, right, and and it reveals a side of her that that she's willing to break the rules because right. I think they even mentioned at the time they're not supposed to be in a relationship because right. you know, they're both federal agents, but but here. You know, he's trying to get a, a read on her, and we learn that you know through her character, you know initially, but in this scene here, that she likes to dance, and I, I love the fact that the first dance they do is actually an action sequence where you know they're, you know, I don't think there's any guns, right? Isn't it all just fist fights? Um, I can't remember now. No, because the, the 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 watchers have like those kind of oh those stun guns or whatever yeah, they are, and she gets spacey looking guns. Right, right, right. But that 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 exchange, I guess we're opposites because I hate to dance, but I'd take you though. It seems like it'd be fun. Yeah. And, and we know that Walter ships the two of them in real life right because of the many scenes where uh you know he's like um you know i'll go hide in my room or i'll go do you know you 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 two do this and he's excited when he thinks they're going out on a date that statement that a pattern of destruction seems to follow walter and and you know now we're back to all of the bad things that walter's perhaps been responsible for and again we're like, also tying in like the the pattern itself right like yes the, kind of the mapping the pattern right and is walter responsible for the pattern even though you know it, it doesn't appear that way i mean we've talked in the past you know how much of his work has been taken by others and bastardized to be something it was never intended to be. But 
again, you know, he's a scientist. A scientist has to be responsible for his or her, you know, own work. And and in this case, um, you know, Walter, I think, just sees himself. You know, on the one hand, he's telling Ella about um, Doctor Bishop. He anything, you know, great or good, he invented bubblegum, hugs. Yeah, uh, yeah I forget what. A, and right, exactly. It's Walter. Like what? Walter, I don't know what, like how he sees himself or how he wishes he had been, right? Sure. As just inventing things that are awesome and nice and make people's lives better instead of inventing things that, as the reality is, he's invented and used something that is threatening the existence of the world straight up. Right. And then, you know, in one of these last scenes where the fight is over and peter his his heart you know we we learn has been damaged and olivia has to insert and connect the batteries in peter's chest of course just like an operation but but that exchange that the two of them have and we've wondered this as well well who cares for you olivia you know, you take care of others. You're going to take care of me in this case. And and we've wondered that as well. And I think that's one of the, the, the sad aspects of Olivia Dunham's character is that does she have somebody that cares for her? Well, we know Peter Bishop cares for her. And we know Walter does in his own way and, and Astrid in her own way. But that's not really what we're talking about here. It must be nice to know who you are. I thought I knew who I was, but I was wrong. Well, Okay, it, that, you know, that's not even subtext. <laughs> I mean, right. that's, yeah, that's that's above the ground text. I would think it'd be difficult to miss why Walter has the character say this, but you know, it's it's part of the story, and he is trying to tell a story to entertain uh, her. But Peter gets his heart back from Walter, and then, like we were talking a few minutes ago whether or not Walter is worthy of redemption and forgiveness at Peter's hands and takes the heart and says, nope, it's too late. Some things can't be undone. And Ella's like, no, whoa, no, stop, Uncle Walter. (laughs) And, and look, her ending is, is just wonderful. And, and, you know, on the one hand, it's easy to say, well, that's a child. Nah, I mean, yes, but, but it's just, I mean, it, it was perfect. I mean, yeah. We'll well, sp- it, it's just kind of like out of the balance of babes, yes, right? Sure. Like she's letting him know, hey, you know what? Like, and, and she doesn't know what she's saying, but what she's basically saying is that there is a chance for redemption. All sure. is not lost. That you know, there, 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 there's, there's quite definitely a future for you and Peter. Don't give up hope. Don't, don't be so negative. Yeah, right. And, you know, then we get to, you know, the end. Olivia returns. And suddenly, you know, this happy ending turns back to reality. And the reality is that Olivia wasn't able to find Peter. And we're kind of back to where we started. So reality is not good. No. But what else? Oh, um, Ella holding the the, the feed bucket for Gene. Oh, right, right, right. That was awesome. That might be my favorite. Just how they had the shot set up as well. 
with Walter still telling the story and Ella holding the feed bucket and Gene eating it. And you're just like, what? It's just so surreal, but it's great. And the way they, they filmed it and the, the way they set up that scene is awesome. In the story, uh, Gene has a bunch of different colored spots on her. Reminded me of a storybook that we used to read to the kids called, and I don't know if, if you were, because I remember my mom reading me this I book when I was a kid. a kid. It's called Put Me in the Zoo. And it was about like this kind of creature that had spots all over him. He could do all kinds of crazy stuff with his spots and everything. So I, I don't know if that book was around when you were a kid. Nah, it doesn't sound familiar. Okay. The Candyman song. That was great. Anything else? I love the Tears for Fears. That's fabulous. Oh, the uh, Red Vines. Because he's labeling all the all the stuff in his, because um, yeah, he's, he's stoned, so he's decides super important to, to lay, he's got a labeling machine that he's labeling all the chemicals in it. And one of the things we see in the background are the uh, thing of the red vines. I remember listening to the, the fringe podcast with, uh, with Daryl back in the day. Who's Daryl's buddy with that? Clint. Clint. Right. Uh, that was a great podcast. That was like yeah. one of the first podcasts I ever listened to, but they always made a big deal about the red vines and everything. So I remember I actually, went out and bought red vines one time and they are so much not as good as Twizzlers, even a little bit at all. Yeah. Nah, no question. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Oh, uh, Walter talking about how his mother would dress him up as characters of musicals that follows it up with, uh, I was roughed up quite a bit as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you see, uh, Astrid, the look on her face when he says that, you're like, yeah, yeah really? You think Walter? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there was, there was, it was, this is a really good, enjoyable episode. I, you know, again, when I, I watched season one and two originally on DVDs, um, I remember a certain faculty member at River Hill who encouraged me that I should watch Fringe and, and gave me, lend me his DVD set. So, and uh, so I, I, so I, I didn't have to wait from one week to the other. So I don't know if I was watching this a week at a time, if I would be frustrated by a stepping back and doing this kind of silly, but metaphorically important episode in the middle, right after like this huge, big reveal from the week before. I think it's nice. I think it works out well. Yeah. No question. All right. I think that's all I have, my friend. Okay. All right. Well, let's get to listener feedback. we got a lot of it this week. Suzanne in Germany checks in dear Dave and Wayne. We finally managed to get my boss and his family into the U.S. for their summer vacation. The ESTA application seems to become more comprehensive each year, which is fantastic because guess who must deal with all the red tape? Yep, lucky me. So now that I have a little piece at the office, would you guys do me a favor and keep him over there for a little while, for let's say a month or two? Thank you very much, But let's move on to a more fun subject, which is that I've been listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at least twice a week for the past month. Uh, Reason that I started Foundation Season 1 to be prepared for watching Season 2 alongside you guys. And of course, I listened to your coverage of the show. Besides your great discussion on the respective Foundation episodes, your conversations contained a lot of Easter eggs. It's been like a Sci-Fi TV Rewatch best of for me so far. You know, all the things you like mocking, Lost, the usual very mature comments you guys make. (laughs) 
uh, I've come to enjoy so much. You talking about the Ravens, what more could you possibly want as a listener? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yep. Some people might say that there's a lot of things we could be talking about. Yes. That, but. I am glad, however, that you'll finish covering season two of Fringe first, and I've still got a bit of time left for the remaining Foundation episodes. I'm excited for the upcoming rewatch of the Fringe finale, and I don't remember everything, but for sure I loved it. Walter may have made his own bed by not telling Peter earlier and by himself, not to mention stealing him from the other side in the first place, but still my heart broke for Walter. And for the life of me, I can't recall when the team will reunite. Yeah, you're in our boat. By the way, I felt incredibly stupid not connecting the dots between Clue, the board game, and the episode title of Fringe, because we do have the game here as well, and I've played it quite often when I was younger. But hey, I'm listening to you partly for such aha moments, so thanks for enlightening me. Also, thank you for that amusing tidbit about David Bowie. Oh, and lastly, I was about to complain that I missed the weather talk. Good that I didn't have to. It's far too hot here. I hate that. The heat is unbearable in the city, and most normal apartments like mine don't have AC, so you're basically melting the whole time. I guess I shouldn't have complained about it being 80 in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll only feel alive again in the fall and admit I'm therefore such a summer Grinch. But I really hope you guys can actually enjoy the summer. We need you cool-headed for the podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And, you know, I, I maybe saying I hate the summer is a bit overstated and we have air conditioning here most places in the states do have it so it's just my studio where it's located in the house that it's you know right it's much yeah, hotter it's, than it's, the rest it's hot in the summer and cold in the winter right like, but yeah. but uh if i had my choice i'd take the winter e- even with a bit of snow oh, so. i i mean despite the fact that i went to school in buffalo which was almost winter a lot up there um, I do like this. Fall is obviously the best, um, but I, I do love summer as well. I like being able to be outside and go swimming with my kids and stuff like that. Though this summer so far, not a fan. All right, well, let's get to the audio feedback, and we'll start off with Megan Ray in Canada. We'll be right back. Hi, Dave and Wayne. This is Megan Ray from Canada giving feedback for the Fringe episode, Brown Betty. I love this episode. Uh, It's a fascinating way to do a parallel when nothing is actually happening in the main storyline. And it keeps my attention every time I watch it. So when I rewatched this episode, I watched it straight through uh, regular and then I watched it with the commentary. So I'll add in some of the uh, information that I got from the commentary. I love that the story is a reflection of Walter and Walter's perceptions of the world around him and the team, including his enjoyment of music and his perception of Peter and Olivia's relationship. The writers and and directors had a hard time balancing the melancholy mood of Peter being gone with the humor of this episode to keep it a bit lighter. It was the humor aspects weren't done as intentionally at the beginning and they ended up trying to cut them out and it became too melancholic. So they had to put them all back in and do a bunch of uh, reshooting of different scenes to add it in. So the, the scene with the weed was taken out and then put back in uh, playing operation at the beginning was shot later. Uh, Ella feeding Jean was also uh, reshot to add in that piece of humor They added some fun and goofy props in the lab, and they 
shot the observer bit at the end quite a bit later to to make sure they didn't end on a note of melancholy with Olivia and Ellen and Walter sitting around the table uh, missing Peter. They they ended on the observer instead, who draws us back into the main storyline. I found, in particularly with the with the story, I found the aspect when uh, Walter was talking about the bubble gum rainbows and singing corpses. I thought that was a really interesting shift in perception, where we we because the singing corpses are so um, sinister seeming that it makes the bubble gum and rainbows also seem sinister, which. In fact, we find out they are. So on to the props and set. The heart prop that you see Walter uh, holding onto and in the box with Peter is a physical prop with an air bladder inside, and they added that, that light uh, whenever Peter's holding it in CGI in post. This, they, anytime you see a heart or an open cavity in someone's chest, those are green screens that they did in CGI. And as an idea to create the five-second CGI of the heart pumping inside Peter's chest took a whole team of CGI uh, workers many weeks to create that that five-second clip. Uh, The set for Peter and Olivia when Olivia's putting the batteries in Peter's chest is actually Peter uh, with his head and his arms sticking out. He's in the cupboard behind and the whole body that you see that Olivia is interacting with is is a prop. Um, created, which which is awesome. You can barely tell. The makeup is is flawless on his neck, and uh, and the positioning is interesting. Once you know, you can kind of see the different positioning in his neck and his head. But it's very well done. The view out Nina's window in the uh, in of course we're we're back in time. So the view out Nina's window has the two towers in it, and that is actually the same screen that they used for outside. William Bell's window in the alt-verse when Olivia went crossed over. And so they, they had someone paint it because they couldn't get an image to put up on a green screen that looked old or, or hazy. So they had someone paint a screen and they used that screen behind the window. On to the musical aspects. The, uh, I really enjoyed the singing uh, in this episode. I know that's not everyone's cup of tea. But I love seeing actors that don't typically sing um, and getting to hear their voices. And a lot of them have incredible musical talent. Um, the commentary talked about playing with how, that, how the music starts because we're not expecting it. And doing a really gentle introduction into the musical aspect of the, this episode with some humor of having Walter's voice come out of Rachel's mouth. And they played with Rachel's voice transitioning to Walter's or... Um, or Walter's voice coming out of Rachel's. And every time people watched it with the Walter's voice, they laughed much harder, so that's the one they kept. They invited all the actors into a music studio and pre-recorded their music so that on set, they wouldn't have to sing their musical bits over and over and over again every time they were doing the takes from a different angle. And um, what ended up happening is the pre-recording really just got their jitters out And they were a lot more confident when singing on set in front of everyone. And as a result, they ended up keeping everyone's uh, music that you or singing that you hear in the actual show is what they recorded on set, not the pre-recorded version. Anna Torv in particular was very, very nervous and took many takes in the pre-recording and then did did a wonderful job on set. Michael Cerverus, the observer, is actually a musician 
and did have a song, Bad Moon Rising, when he was uh, attacking Olivia, um, which got cut because they wanted to keep the observers uh, as mysterious and observer-like as possible. Jessica Nicole and Lance Reddick are both uh, actual musicians with recorded recorded stuff out, I believe. Um, and interestingly, Josh Jackson refused to do the singing, uh, recorded singing, despite singing on set all day, um, which I found funny. Very quickly, some of my favorite thoughts of the episode are when Walter says phase one versus phase two and what's what comes after phase one of Brown Betty. Um, the um, what don't they do call back to massive dynamic on the billboard in the pilot. Uh, Nina's warning to P- about Peter to uh, Olivia is a callback to the warning she gives Olivia about investigating the pattern. Um, the calling the observers watchers and using Zodiac instead of the months. I, I love that. The spider web pins is a callback to the spider web pattern. Um, you're going to be fine. Peter says um, in which is Charlie's phrase we know. And um, yeah, I think that was it. So, so many good callbacks and favorite moments in this episode. Anyway, talk to you next week. I love all the commentary comments and i don't know about you i i i I knew i had some of the seasons of fringe on dvd i had to go look in my cabinets like oh i got them all but it's just so much easier to watch it on hbo max sure but hbo max doesn't have the commentary the commentary right so i pulled out season two and even though i haven't popped a dvd in yet Oh my God, there's so many awesome photographs in the booklet and on the the case itself. Like, oh my God, what a, you know, I mean, look, I, I'm still going to watch it on HBO Max. It's just, it's just easier, but right. um, I'm going to have to revisit some of this. So yeah, uh, I think I just have the last season. Well, maybe, no, I might have the last couple of seasons on, on DVD, but the first two, you know, you gave me, and while they were on a disc, uh, it wasn't the DVD. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I can neither confirm nor deny that I may or may not have. Uh, anyway, but um, I, you know, I just never seem to find the time to watch the commentary episodes. So, I mean, it's really one of those things that that I I really rarely look at the the bonus content on the dvd sets that i own and while yeah. i probably don't own as many as you own i own a lot ah, it's just a handful i probably count on one hand so right megan ray i think you you kind of motivated me to to break out some of these sets um yeah like i mentioned i'm no longer amazed when i hear an actor sing in one of these musical episodes so uh, a little bit disappointed we didn't hear from joshua jackson but yeah it's okay <laughs> Um, yeah but well, anything- i thought i mean that was great like Megan ray everything that they shared with us that was some really really cool stuff um that again i i don't i definitely do not have uh season two on dvd so it was really cool to hear all that and everything and i'm happy that you are here to uh to to listen to the the commentary like that is even if i did have it's probably too lazy to do it so thank you so, all right, we'll see what Fred has for us from the Netherlands, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for the Fringe episode, Brown Betty, Season 2, 
episode 19, or according to IMDb, episode 20. First off, coming back to last week's podcast, you were talking about the fireworks for the 4th of July and that some people start early, even three weeks before. Well, our national holiday is the birthday of the king, so we don't have fireworks then. But with New Year, of course, we do have. But in the Netherlands, it's prohibited to light anything before, I think, six in the evening or so on New Year's Eve. But possibly that's in the U.S. too much a governmental restriction on your personal freedom. I don't know. Some cities, by the way, prohibited fireworks completely. Only there is a from town hall organized big uh, fireworks show. Uh, but in town it's prohibited. Just because preventing all kinds of injuries that happen every year. And they are considering to do that nationwide. What I noticed in the previous podcast is that we are talking about Walter and what Walter did to Peter, etc. And that Peter's mother committed suicide. Well, it's not his mother. We are all talking about uh, his mother like his mother, but it's not his mother as as much as Walter is not his father. So he can be very sad that Walt, what Walter did drove his mother to suicide. Well, his mother can still be alive on the other side. So Peter could be kind of happy, so... My mother is still there. And the woman that raised me is not my mother. And if he loved the person that raised him, uh, probably the one on the other side is quite similar. I think Peter should be consequent. If he, after knowing the truth, still wants to regard his mother on this side as his mother, then he should regard Walter as his father. Simple as that. Well, life isn't as simple as that. Of course, the difference is... Walter did some awful things, and the woman who raised him probably not. Although you could also say that she was the one that caused Walter to keep Peter over here. If she hadn't objected, he perhaps did bring Peter back. So who is the guilty here? Walter or Peter's fake mother? On the other hand, the connection to Walter was actually fine the last period. So perhaps Ella is right. Once upon a time should end with a happy ending. Talking about Ella, I think the actress that played Ella, uh, Lily, and then I don't know how to pronounce it, Pilplad or Pilblad, did a marvelous job as a child actress. I looked her up on IMDb and actually when she played this role, she was 9, 10, 11, in 2009, 10, 11. And she did some other work up till 2014, so until she was 14, and after that, nothing anymore. So this is really, I think, a child actress and then stopped acting. It was, of course, a crazy episode, and I think they did it in a nice way. Who would think that Fringe would get a musical version? Well, the singing was, fortunately, very limited, Everybody sang a little bit, and that was okay with me in this, well, fairy tale story. I like the singing of Broyles, by the way, the best. I found it a little strange that they called September Gemini, because September is actually more a Virgo and Libra. Of course, there were all kinds of elements reminiscent of other stuff. I think this heart idea is very reminiscent to The Wizard of Oz and then, of course, The Tin Man, who was looking for a heart. Fairy tale Walter in this wheelchair, reminiscent of Patrick Stewart as Professor Charles Xavier in X-Men or 
Barbara Gordon in Birds of Prey. Technique was very weird here. So modern stuff and let's say 30s stuff. On Nina Sharp's desk, there was a very modern Windows computer, but she still had an old-fashioned telephone. But then it had keys or buttons instead of a dial. But if you accept these inconsistencies as a given in this fairy tale, it's actually quite nice. What I didn't like in the beginning so much is Olivia. Anna Torv didn't go for full like Jessica Jones or Perry Mason. She she couldn't portray that in a proper way, although she had these curly hairs and took a drink. I did like her in that suit, by the way, with the hat. Strange thing for me was when she came out of the shower after she almost drowned uh, in Peter's, well, it was not Peter's uh, apartment, and she had to fix him. Then the curly hair was gone and she became immediately more genuine and Olivia to me. The actors must have had a lot of fun making this episode. There was one very special scene. Okay, there we go again. Quarter to ten. This time I will stop my recording and wait until the church bells stop. That is the scene where Astrid takes care of Olivia's chest wound. And she says, oh, I'm sorry, it does that hurt. And Olivia says, oh, no, 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 it feels great, actually. Please keep doing that. And I don't know if that's a hidden joke, because the actress that plays Astrid, Jessica Nicole, is actually a lesbian or queer. I don't know if this was a hidden insider joke, touching Olivia's boobs. Okay, sorry guys, uh, that will be all. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Yeah, I think the problem with making judgments about the bishops, as I said earlier, it's just the lack of knowledge that we have regarding the family dynamic that we just don't really know. I, I mean, we know Peter at one point blames Walter for his mother's suicide and okay you know again we don't need to go down that rabbit hole that well it's not really his mother okay i think we all understand you know you know who who walter and elizabeth yeah. in this universe were to but, but i also get what fred's saying there like he should be like if you're looking at the the silver lining right is that he could potentially have a mother who is alive right but you know, so I, so that I mean, like, if you glass half full type thing there, right? But I don't think the knowledge that he has a mother that may be alive in the other universe is going to do anything to lessen the feelings he has for the woman that raised him from age eight on. So, no. best of both worlds, he, 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 you know, if if he's reunited with his mother, if she's still alive, we don't know any of that at this point what's their relationship going to be like? I mean, you know, she might not be the loving woman that, that he knew from age eight on. So, so we just don't know, but uh, you know, certainly that has to be haunting him that fine. This is not the woman who gave birth to me, but you know, I loved her just the same. And I was devastated when I learned of her death. Oh yeah. Well, as I imagine, like maybe, like ad adopted kids might feel sure um, at some point they might, whether their parents told them or not, you know, I imagine today most parents probably if their kids adopted, they tell them, but they might have a feeling at some point in their life. I want to meet the person who, 
gave birth to me, you know, or I want to meet my real parents or whatever. Completely natural impulse there. Maybe that's part of like what Peter is trying to process right now. All right. Uh, anything else about Fred? I mean, we uh, mentioned nope. I love the allusions to Professor X and Barbara Gordon. That was awesome. I didn't, I didn't think of that at all. Nope. Good. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear what Alan in England's got, and we'll be right back with that as well. Hello to everyone at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Alan from England here, mostly with feedback on Fringe episode Brown Betty. What I'm watching, still watching Strange New Worlds, keeping up with that. Really great how they focus on one or two characters in each particular episode. That's going pretty well. Finished Black Mirror. Similar view to Wayne, episode one was extraordinary, and then the others were kind of okay, a bit up and down. Uh, Reasonably good, but episode one, wow, that was uh, fantastic. I'm now on to series two of Warrior Nun, where the uh, violence and action has definitely gone up a notch uh, with the return of a certain character who in season one I found just relentlessly unlikable. But they were supposed to be like that. It was well played by the actress. Now she's back with an absolute vengeance. (laughs) This time has my full support. Into season three of The Witcher. We've seen the first four episodes, haven't seen the very last one yet. I did wonder also whether to rewatch some of the previous seasons, but I didn't do that. And then after the initial two minute recap, I was more confused than ever about because I'd forgotten how much had happened. But then by about 10 minutes in, as Dave said, with the dynamic of that core group we established, then it was pretty good. And then the other threads were kind of gradually woven back in. So it wasn't too much too soon. Really enjoying that. Fringe, episode 20, I think, Brown Betty. I believe there's a a dessert called Brown Betty, uh, but I've never had it. I don't think there's any reference to that in this episode. Actually, Brown Betty reminds me more of a song called Black Betty, Bambalam. And there certainly are many tunes in this Way Out episode, which gives the actors a way to show other aspects of their characters, almost as if they were from another dimension. But this time, it's a fantasy dimension. That label maker that Walter's wielding, that takes me back. The height of labeling technology back in the day, and a way for Walter to try and impose some semblance of order into his life. Olivia's niece, Ella, gets some of the best lines when she turns up. Why does it smell funny in here? And then later to Walter, you eat all my snacks and everything makes you laugh. But we see really she's here to trigger Walter's storytelling, combining a love of detective stories and musicals. Actually, there was a great show back in the 1980s called The Singing Detective with a similar feel to some of this episode with spontaneous musical numbers at the most unlikely times. Ella is about as disturbed as the rest of us when Walter, as the narrator, breaks into song with Head Over Heels, especially as it starts with Rachel's face, but it's his voice singing. Broyles has a far better singing voice. Shame that song wasn't a bit longer. If anything, his manner is even more Broyles than usual, or maybe it's just his accent uh, is stronger. When Olivia is quizzing Walter about Peter Bishop and says, are they related? And he says, "Uh, just coincidental, which is a simple twist on the much more complicated truth. 
He talks about his various inventions, which then leads, of course, to the singing corpses. Another strange interlude. Love that look on Astrid's face when narrator Walter introduces the character Esther Ficklesworth. And then her little song is wonderful. Very uh, Broadway musical style, I thought. Great bit with Brandon at the patent office, wishing he could be working at Massive Dynamic, where, you know, they've got all that kind of spy stuff. The main Peter Walter Hart link is obviously an allegory for the main story of their disrupted relationship following last episode's revelation to Peter. It's a great way of having Peter in the episode without him actually being in the episode, if you see what I mean. Nice reminder near the end of the operation game between Walter and Ella when Olivia is trying to fix up Peter's heart in that way. Also nice how Ella reworks or retells the story's ending to make it a more pleasant one, which gives us a nice warm feeling just before the appearance of that observer brings things back to a more serious setting. Another very good, if very different, episode. Take care, Alan from England. Alan, I've heard enough good things about Black Mirror that I'm going to have to find a way to revisit the series. I I mean, I'm not sure why I never continued after season one, because I, you know, I I loved it. Is Miley Cyrus... I'm just shaking my head I I know, but is Miley Cyrus, is that in season two? No, I think that might have... What season did they just record? It was the no one idea. before this one. Okay, so season three. Yeah, so, and that was a really good. That did you see that one? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was a great episode. Yeah. So I, yeah, there's there's no explanation I can give other than I got sidetracked and never got back to it. So well, he also mentioned Strange New Worlds, so Dave. I know yeah. you're a, a, a fan of the original series. I think you would love strange new worlds well it is, and this season two is absolutely effing killing it man like every episode of season two like there were there were a couple in season one i wasn't i was not necessarily great with but so far season two is just crushing it, it is so good dude i i mean this is like i i i am desperately waiting for the next episode to come out Every week, I don't feel that way about many shows, but Strange New Worlds, I do. You should check it out. Yeah, Paramount Plus, man. It's not expensive. I'm proud of the fact that uh, my wife and I got a one week trial, free trial with uh, that MHZ European Network, so we could watch the final two seasons of the show we've been watching. And I'm just proud of the fact that we got it done before the week ended. I figured out man they sometimes they don't make it easy to cancel do they no. uh so i finally found out the appropriate link i canceled it got the confirmation email so i'm happy about that but you know i don't know if i want another streaming service if i can help it but i i know and i you know and i i try i've tried twice now two times i've tried to cancel paramount and they just they they have they, the last time they just said well, how about if we give you three months for free? Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Oh, Strange New Worlds is coming out. Oh, wait. New episode of Star Trek Discovery is coming out after that. Well, I guess I'm holding on to Paramount for a couple more months. And, you know, like the, the, the stuff they have on Paramount is very, very good. Um, just the Star Trek stuff, you know. And then they have you know, the, the, the remastered versions 
of all the original series episodes as well. You know, and, and they just every time I tried to cancel, they they find a way to suck me back in. That I've, I've probably had it for about a year now, and I just can't manage to cancel it. Uh, I took my headphones off. Did you say something? Yeah, doubt. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, Suzanne. Megan Ray, Alan, Fred, thank you guys. Awesome stuff. Uh, I'm going A. I just think. Yeah, it was solid A. Yeah. Solid a. I, I mean, when you take a risk to do an episode like this, you can hit a home run or you can strike out, and, you know, maybe something in between. But, I, you know, maybe not a home run, but they hit a solid run scoring double for sure. Yeah. Um, that's a baseball. It was, it was good. It was, it was very enjoyable. Um, it's especially for a show that is by and large very very serious uh it's nice to have kind of a a light especially after a moment where you know it's it's super serious to take a step back and have some you know some humor and some light in there that was nice and it, it gives us hope at the end that ultimately peter will come back and they'll find a way to reconcile with walter all right. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. I like it. All right. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. That'll do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Love to hear what you think about Fringe, The Peripheral, which, again, I've mentioned from time to time. Uh, we'll be talking about Foundation when we're finished with Season 2 of Fringe. Check out the Facebook group if you haven't done that yet. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode 20 of season two titled Northwest Passage. But until then, you know, I know I'm always kind of spitballing ideas for like a, a little slogan for the show or something we could put on the website, maybe underneath the banner. But I think I've got one. This one for sure. Okay, here we go. These people are dangerous and they don't make idle threats. What do you think?